here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. ProRisuShop.com, your only source for authentic ProRisu merch straight from Japan. Translation extraordinaire Yatsumi has helped more than 300 fans all across the world purchase authentic merchandise, and now he's bringing that savings to you. With over 300 items to choose from, ProRisuShop.com has the largest selection of New Japan and ProRisu merchandise you can't get anywhere else. Shirts, belts, trading cards, DVDs, and more from the biggest stars of Japan, like Tanahashi, Okada, Nakamura, and of course, The Bullet Club. Get them all for the same price you would pay in Japan, with worldwide shipping starting at only $6.99. For the very best in ProRisu merchandise across the world, the choice is clear. ProRisuShop.com that's P-U-R-O-R-E-S-U-Shop.com. ProRisuShop.com. You can be the best. You can be the King Kong banging on your chest. You can beat the world. You can beat the war. You can talk to God, go banging on his door. You can throw your hands up. You can beat the clock. You can move a mountain. You can break rocks. You can be a master. Don't wait for luck. Dedicate yourself and you go find yourself. to the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I'm Rich Craig alongside, as always, Mr. Joe Lanz. And Joe, it's yet another edition of our Hall of Fame uh, podcast. Oh, man, there have been a lot of them so far, but we're, we're trucking through here. We're, we're, we're going well. And, and this one I'm particularly excited about because I'm excited about our guest. Rich, you're getting... Uh, he's had us on his show, and now we've opened yeah. up the gates for him. Yeah, so. and you sound like you're getting frustrated. You, are you, are you, oh, I'm just... It's you, just been a lot of talk about the Hall of Fame. After five hours yesterday, four hours the day before that, it's, you know... You're getting worn down, Rich. I mean, you, you, you don't have the staff. I got my tea. I'm shaking. I haven't... The people are wondering where I'm at and what I'm doing. Well, and, you know what the best cure for... Hey, they haven't introduced you. I'm doing a run-in. I, I, I'm saving you, Rich, because you know what the best cure is for when you are, are sick of talking about it, something? You bring an Irishman on to talk about it, especially <laughs> an Irishman who's just woke up from a nap and is all fired up and rested and ready to go. And <laughs> Put him on the line with Joe Lanza and, and, and Rich. You, 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 you can rest on this one, buddy. It's, it's Alan, everybody. Uh, <laughs> in case you didn't know, I, I never know whether to uh, uh, attempt to pronounce his last name or to uh, call him by his online moniker of Alan 4L. Alan, which do you prefer? I really don't care. <laughs> I feel like if I met you, I would call you Alan 4L. I, I don't really think I could. <laughs> most call you people, else. most people do. I, I think <laughs> it's the majority. Hi, Alan 4L. I, I'd say like when people come up to be a chose or whatever, which never gets any less. Uh, weird to me but still <laughs> um it's always i'd say it's like i don't know 60 percent are you alan forel 
And then it's <laughs> the then it's like thirty five percent Alan, and then maybe five percent. Are you Alan Cunahan? And I'm like, if when when it when it's that, I'm like, shit. Does this person know me from something outside, or is this someone I worked with that I've forgotten about, or something like that? <laughs> is this someone in college? Oh shit. <laughs> I'm almost positive that uh, I, I almost said the 4L uh, when I ran you down in New Orleans, but I, I'm pretty sure I left off the 4L. I, I think I aggressively grabbed him by the arm, and I, and I just <laughs> I, I probably scared the living shit out of him. And uh, I said, Alan! And I left off the 4L, and then he just looked at me like, who the fuck is this maniac? <laughs> the second I realized it was, uh, it was Joe Lanza, I was like, Joe, I've been waiting to see you all night. Where, are you? Where have you been? But uh, Joe's Joe's issues of that show and getting to that show have been well documented here. I was not a uh, happy man that night. The so, uh, uh, the the that cat is a trained professional uh, story. <laughs> <laughs> the cat is a those were his exact words. The cat is a. I assure you. I assure you, you, say... <laughs> I assure you ma'am. The cat is a trained professional. I lost it. I I, I lost it. And and he was annoyed by it because he looked at me in the corner of his eye. He he just came in to let me. This is Gabe Sapolsky now. For people who have no idea what we're talking about, uh, I did not have cash. Their credit card machine was broken. He had to let me in the building to catch everybody up with the cliff notes. Uh, there was a a lady uh, crying about Teddy Hart's cat, uh, concerned that the cat was on some sort of drugs for it to be able <laughs> to perform the way it had performed. Or and uh, you know he was he, his exact words were I assure you, ma'am, the cat is a trained professional. I lost it. I'm dying in the lobby at that line. He looks out the corner of his eye and he's probably like this asshole. I just let him into my show <laughs> for free to avoid him getting poured on, and he's laughing at me in the lobby uh, as I'm facing this uh, this pita nut who's probably gonna sue me after the show. But uh, he did manage to scurry away from the girl. What she was in bad shape. She was bawling. She was in tears. Her <laughs> I re I remember being there at the I I can't remember it was probably it was the show the next night uh, there was like people sitting behind us and uh, they were talking about like a girl being really upset over something and like leaving and I didn't know what they were talking about but it all came back to it all came t together when I heard your story. I'm, oh, yeah, that's, that's what, what that was. was and, and her poor boyfriend, he had this look on his face. And look, you know, we've all been there, okay? He totally felt like she was overreacting. You could tell. And he was just, like, rolling his eyes. Like, I <laughs> right. didn't want her to see that he was rolling. He was trying to be compassionate, but at the same time, he badly wanted to go back and watch the rest of the show. You could just tell. <laughs> but he couldn't. And, you know, they had to leave. And, you know, it was just, oh, man, what a mess that was. But, uh... But yeah, uh, we are. I'm going to derail this show even further. Um, guys, I'm sorry. I'm... <laughs> it's pretty off the rails, yeah. so just go ahead. Yeah, so, I, I, so... Reef, I forgot what we were we were actually here to talk about, but but go right ahead. <laughs> well, we were gonna we were gonna I was gonna come on and debate Rich about Yuji Nagata, but I realized after perusing the Voices of Wrestling Twitter um, that I have a far bigger cause to fight for here, and it's with Joe Lanza. Joe, we're gonna we're gonna have it out here right now. I'm ready. I'm waiting. Do it. How dare you? How dare you criticize the amazing entrance jacket of Baron Corbin? <laughs> that thing is a disgrace. It's embarrassing. I, that I, is I... the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that howling wolf on the back because he's the lone wolf. That is pro wrestling right there, man. That is I, the best I, thing I've ever seen. And, I got. Oh, 
I was I was all in on on Baron Corbin and his badass character and his squash matches, um, uh, despite the fact that I I feel bad for friend of the site and uh, our good buddy Darren Corbin. I feel terrible <laughs> for that man. Uh, but but as soon as he turned around and and showed off that howling wolf on the back of his jacket slash vest, whatever it is, uh, I I no longer uh, see the man the same way. I think that's awful. I don't know if I if I was a badass, I'd get a coat like that. <laughs> Especially if you got a motorcycle. I mean, it comes with the territory. Well, you aren't the only I'm not one. A I mean, you're not the only one. Lance Hoyt defended it. He came into our feet and defended it. So uh, you're on the same page as Lance Hoyt. Myself, myself, and Lance Hoyt have been known for a similar taste. And your similar badassness too. I, I would assume. <laughs> yeah, look just okay, like Japan. By the way, not to not so to. If anybody knows about badassness, it's Lance Hoyt and Allen. He <laughs> also knows about Japan, eh? Hey, hey. Yeah, there we go. See? Speaking of a man who has been to Japan, he, he also knows a lot about uh, two of the candidates on the Japan. He ballot. does. Uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> he, he knows <laughs> more about yeah. he knows more about them than their own mothers. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. All right. Sorry. You, Let's get on. Let track. me tell you, if you ever read his direct messages to us, that is actually the case. <laughs> I'm just leave that one alone. Um, all right, so we're here to discuss. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna loop off that entire beginning. People just just come in right when you said, "All right." Like, don't know. I'm joking. I'm not gonna that edit that gold, one. Rich, that's gold. No, I, it's all. I, and I know you're keeping secret tapes of post-show banter that we've had with mm-hmm. people over the years, which is gonna get people absolutely buried and destroyed within the wrestling industry. By the Always. way, and I know you're gonna release those tapes or hold them over everybody's heads as as blackmail, and that's how we're finally gonna turn a profit on this site uh by blackmailing these people into releasing those post-show banter tapes but uh uh okay so 15 minutes in uh we're here to discuss the, the wrestling observer newsletter hall of fame a japanese uh ballot and that is why of course alan is here because as people know uh alan is a uh, japanese wrestling fanatic and expert uh, I, I i will not hesitate to call him an expert and uh, we brought him in for his expertise as we break down this ballot. Now, you know, last year, I think uh, myself and, 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 and Alan as well both saw Tanahashi as a slam dunk. Would that be fair to say, Alan? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I was I, – I don't think I was of the opinion it was like a complete no-brainer. I, I would even say like saying slam dunk might be a bit strong. But I was happy to vote for him. I thought he was absolutely deserving of the vote. And, um, yeah, I, I thought I was very happy to see he went in. I wasn't sure he would. Um, but, yeah, I was happy he, he went in. Um, yeah, I just I thought as far as modern Japanese performers go, it's going to be hard to get a stronger one than Hiroshi Tanahashi. And I think he, he ticked all the boxes for me, that's for sure. Ticked all mine as well. Did you vote for Kensuke Sasaki and Matsunaga as well? I did both of them, yeah, yeah. Kensuke was a guy that I was really since I started following the Hall of Fame. He was the guy on the ballot that I was most hoping would kind of make the breakthrough, and very happy that after getting my ballot myself or getting a ballot myself two years ago, that uh, I was able to help him get in. 
That's amazing, uh, Rich. We can't find anybody for me to argue with because I voted for the same three people off the uh, Japanese ballot last year. But maybe we'll argue about some of these. I guys. think no. I think there's a few things in here that are going to be judged, judging by what Alan has said recently on you know his podcast. Obviously, the Death Keith presents. It's on uh, WrestlingObserver.com. Little plug there for you. If you haven't listened to that, you guys had a great show. It was you, Todd Martin, and uh, Shapiro had a real, real good show. I thought about the Hall of Fame covering some stuff, and I think we'll talk about one of the guys that you were very passionate about. You did a probably about a 45-minute rant that was incredible, and people haven't listened. Definitely go listen to it. It was a Lanza-esque rant, and it was about Junakiyama, who makes his appearance on the ballot, his first appearance on the ballot. You, I, you're, he's the guy you're screaming to the mountaintop for this this year, correct? Yeah, he, I, 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 I probably would say he's, he's in my sort of short list of the the locks with Jimmy Hart, um, maybe Grand ha- Grand Hamada. I'd put in that category as well, like right up there, top top of my ballot guys. Um, Akiyama. For anyone who didn't listen to my rant that Rich mentioned or read the piece I wrote about him at the Fight Game blog, he is um, he's a guy who, as far as work rate goes, and I don't think he's purely a work rate candidate, um, but as far as work rate goes, I think he's immensely underrated. Um, Kurt Angle got in in 2004 off the back of like less than four full years of um, just incredible an incredible kind of uh run as like a prodigy picking up the business really really quickly and getting to the top of wwe and having great matches that people loved and and all this and they had to make a rule that you had to be um in the business later 15 years or in the business over 15 years and over 35 years of age to, to get in the battle after angle because people complained that he was getting on too early but he basically got in as this like supernova talent and I would argue that Jun Akiyama was like right there with Angle as one of the the great supernova talents in in the history of wrestling. A guy that came in in '92 and within 12 months was in a five star match, and it wasn't a match where he was um, just carried along with. He was in there with like the best guys in the world, and he hung with them, and he was a a vital part of the match. He was a key part of the story. His his first match, his debut, was like better to, better match than most guys would have like a year or two into the business. Um, and like as the '90s went on, and I guess he got two three years in, he was just having these amazing matches routinely, and he was hanging with the the best guys, like some of the best guys ever in wrestling. And then like from there, the I, th- I think he's given his due credit for like the kind of mid late nineties work where it was like the when he became like a real top guy in all Japan. But um, I feel he's not given his due as far as the two thousands go. Where going back and watching a lot of this footage of the two thousands because I'm I'm taking part in um the uh, Perotopia Death Valley Driver, but mainly just Dave Ditch project of. Um, the best Japanese wrestling matches of the 2000s, which I've been watching matches or rewatching matches, say, since about this time last year for. And Akiyama has pretty clearly stood out as the best guy that decade. Um, just an incredible f- performer in terms of how he goes about laying matches out, pacing matches, the action in the matches, putting his opponents over, getting the most out of his opponents. I'd put the G1 final in 2003 with Tenzan as a great example of that, just getting the absolute most out of an opponent. Um, he, he just he was fantastic that whole that tr- for that whole 10-year period, which I had previously thought was like a, a complete lock that Kento was the, the best guy, but I, revisiting the stuff, I, I think it's Akiyama. 
And oh, now you've got Joe mad. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Kenta's still, I'd still put Kenta like maybe two, but uh, um, Akiyama just so such an ama- amazing quantity of of great matches. And um, then uh, yeah, to to move off the work rate stuff, I think as a draw, he is he actually does quite well. Um, he's had. He his probably his high point as a draw was the 2004 Tokyo Dome main event where he challenged Kenta Kobashi for the um, GHC heavyweight title and they they like packed the Tokyo Dome like a, a much bigger crowd than New Japan are doing at their best now like I think the the last year's Tokyo Dome for New Japan was their biggest of this kind of current run and it it they drew a lot more than that um, I think it was listed like forty eight thousand I'm not sure how much that was papered but uh. Uh, sorry, fifty-eight thousand, I should say, and I'm I'm not sure how much that was papered, but I I don't think a huge amount because Noah was pretty much on fire at that point, and um, then as well as that, when he became champion at first in two thousand two thousand one, um, the first couple of Budokans they did all sellouts, and then he went and sold out in like Ariaki Coliseum as well with guys like Yoshinari Ogawa, and it was in that match with Yoshinari Ogawa where he was for absolutely no reason that makes any sense at all he dropped the title and it just set him back a huge amount in terms of being able to be the guy to take on this mantle from the legendary all japan guys which is i think the knock that that's, that's cast at akiyama that oh he did, wasn't able to follow the guys who created this great thing in the 90s and he was looked at to be the successor and it never quite came to be but i i don't know i don't think that was for anything that he lacked as a performer or even that he didn't click with the fans because I think he certainly did and I think he was able to, to do great stuff. I just think it was the decision-making of Noah, which he was probably involved in, to, uh, to um, so it is a slight on him in that regard, but uh, as a performer, it's not. And yeah, I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, as well, the just sort of impact on the business and the influence on the business. He's a guy who you can tell one of the most respected wrestlers amongst his peers. It's been amazing to see how um, people have rallied around him in tr- trying to rebuild all Japan and how the the kind of stench of uh, Shirashi after that, after he left as company president, Nakayama took over the mantle. Like just this whirlwind of support behind him. And you can tell like that the wrestlers really want to perform for him. If you watch any all Japan at the moment, like those guys, Akiyama included is in his 40s mid 40s now and he's like this amazing veteran wrestler working his ass off and moving like as fast as he ever has in his career just working so hard it's it's really a testament to him but uh yeah that is uh that's the short version of the Akiyama believe it or not <laughs> we've uh we've definitely picked the right guests to bring on this show rich because you know i, I you know the the, the US Canada show that people are going to hear on uh i guess monday the what's the date on monday the 28th the 29th <laughs> 29th when that gets released uh with Dylan. Already have, by the time this comes out yeah i mean you know he he, <laughs> he would talk about candidates and basically i'd have nothing left to say because he he would hit every bullet point and it's like a night off and the same thing just happened now i mean i had four or five points i wanted to make about Junakiyama, but Alan hit every single one of them. <laughs> he said he framed them exactly the way I would have framed them. And, uh, you know, I've got myself another podcast off here if, if we continue down that path. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I see him as the only person 
on the Japanese ballot that I am 100% fully confident that I am definitely voting for. Um, there's a couple others that I'm considering that obviously we're going to talk about, but I see him as a lock. And the one thing I really want to stress is, even to this day, how old is he? 44? 45? Yeah, I thought it was 40... I'll, I'll look that up as you're going. I, I think thought he's like 44 years old. Three or three or 44. I'll, I'll check. He's it. somewhere in that. 44. Uh, 44. Okay. Even October 9th. Oh, well, he's about to be 45. And Even at 45 years old, I would still argue that he's one of the 20 best wrestlers in the world today. And that's pretty amazing uh, when you think about it. Um, he's still fantastic in the ring. He's and, working with like the DDT young wrestlers like Irie and, and Ishii, uh, Keisuke Ishii, not to be confused with Tomohiro. Um, and he's like working with these guys who are just like probably of a completely different mindset in terms of like w what their wrestling experience is versus a guy like Akiyama. And he's like working their kind of match and then just bringing in his own kind of nuances to it as well and keeping up with those guys it's crazy to see and it's like he's he's just he's got that another guy we'll talk about that yuji nagata anti-aging fountain of youth that uh, i think mizaki mochizuki uh, lavishes himself in as well <laughs> and it's uh, no he's a, it's not just generational with, with those guys i mean this guy comes from you know all japan and these guys come from DDT. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't yeah. get a, a, a crazier dichotomy than that. So uh, it's not even just a generational thing. And he's what I was going to say as well is you, you look at the guy and maybe when he first comes out, you can sort of tell he's, you know, 44, 45 or whatever, because his body looks that, uh, uh, you know, a guy in his mid 40s or whatever. And then five minutes into the match, you forget that this guy is. And then it's not as if he hasn't worked hard the rest of his career. I mean, this guy's had 20 years now of like really the, hard work. And like the amazing he's thing still, is, I mean, he's never he took, I think, about. I can't right. remember the exact amount of time, but he took about two months off after Misawa died because obviously I'm sure he was an emotional wreck like they all were, and he had a few ailments that may have been similar to Misawa that he just wanted to get sorted before getting back into the ring. So, oh, But other than that, this guy, I don't remember him ever being out any significant portion of time since 1992. Like... That's utterly ridiculous. And yeah, here, Alan, here, here's uh, – you're talking about it right now. I, I put up his uh, cage match so I can get look at his matches per year. Uh, 92, we have 35. 93, we have 108. 94, we have 129. Well, I'll just keep going. Uh, 132, 113, 79, 80, 116, 108, 111, 104, 106, 116, 112, 101, 101, 101, 101, 106, 73, 127, 122. I mean, like – That's and nuts. For some of those, I mean, for some of those like... early years, there's some stuff missing, and not only that, every single one of those matches is a hard match. I mean, right. so especially over early 2, on. 2,000 matches. Yeah. I wonder over if, 2,000 matches. I wonder there, if so. those years that were like five years in a row that he wrestled exactly 101 matches, was that like in his <laughs> contract that like he could only wrestle 101 matches? Yeah, it was uh, 2006, 2007, <laughs> and 2008, exactly on the dot well, 101. He was, he was probably the booker around that time, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would just been the magic number for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see him as... I, I, there's no way I can cannot vote for him i mean and 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 as far as the drawing record goes i think uh, kind of like what alan alluded to he kind of gets the short end of the stick with that i think a lot of people see him as a guy who couldn't follow those legends and then they now they see him as a guy who really doesn't 
uh, pop business today, which you know that might that part of it might actually be fair. But I think if you look back at his drawing record, like like uh, some of the things that I mentioned, he he drew a lot better than maybe the perception is from a lot of people. And look to me, the crux of his uh, of his candidacy is the work. I mean, there's there's no way around it. That's the strongest. Uh, facet of his of his uh candidacy but i think uh i think his it, the the level of draw that he was adds to the ballot even if i don't think he was a hall of fame draw brought in. If that he makes was a sense. guy he was a guy that other promotions constantly turn to zero one brought him in for an all-star dream match uh main event on their first show and that, that drew a big house new, as i mentioned new japan brought him in for the 2003 g1 and those shows all drew really well. They did three sumo hall shows back to back to end that G1, of which like he was an, as I mentioned, he got the finals. He was an integral part in those closing three shows, and they drew really well. Um, that that whole tour like did really great. He car- he was the most interesting part of that whole G1, uh, and Tenzan to an extent as well with kind of his his comeback from Calgary with a new move and new haircut. But uh, um. Akiyama as well, like all before, like he's in all Japan now. But before he actually moved there permanently, they brought him in from Noah to be the Triple Crown champ in 2010, and he had a great run with that belt. And he was in the Champion Carnival as well. He, he's a he's a guy that that's constantly looked to and brought in for for big matches from other promotions. And I don't know if you want to use this as a segue, Rich, but that's a guy who or something that another guy on the ballot, Akira Tawe not done so much for him. He, a guy who never really was was utilized by other promotions, never really did much outside of his home his home base. And uh, I, I think that's something that you have to give Akiyama credit for. Absolutely. If you're ready for that, we'll, we'll you're a podcast pro. I mean, Joe, is that is that the transition we're looking for? I mean, he's... Let's do it, man. This Let's... guy's pretty good. This guy's pretty good. Yeah, Kiritawe, we had an article, uh, Chad Campbell did a, a guest post on the, the website, sort of looking at Kiritawe's uh, Hall of Fame case. Uh, Joe, maybe I'll start with you for Tawe. W- what are your thoughts on him? And do you sort of agree with Alan's assessment that he, you, you know, Akiyama was that guy that was brought in? And, and we talked about that with uh, a few other guys as well of... Um, Obviously, with with Farmer, we talked about that a little bit about the King uh, King Kong Jaja or whatever, where being brought in to headline shows from other promotions says something about you in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, but with Tawei, see, he's a guy I'm on I'm on the fence with. And look, we all know the main argument with him. The main argument with him is is does the number four guy or arguably the number five guy during certain – I mean, d- does that person belong in the Hall of Fame? I mean, and at, and with that said, when the three people ahead of you are so incredible and all-time amazing talents, it, should that be held against you? But the thing with Tawei is I'm not as enamored with his work as a lot of people are. I kind of fall on the Matt Farmer side of the argument that he was kind of a guy with two left feet. And um, I, I really do think he benefited greatly from working with the people that he worked with. Um, but, you know, I, I, I can also see why other people enjoyed his work. He did bring a different type of element to those matches, uh, particularly those tag matches, that, than the other three guys did. Um, I, but, I, you know, in my opinion, though, not a Hall of Fame level worker. Um, that's not to say he never had singles matches I didn't like. I mean, he, he had some. Um, but he's not 90, someone... 91 versus Kawada. It's just like, 
11 minute just straight up fight it's uh it's one of my favorite all japan matches love it sure but i mean you know we're, we're talking about a hall of fame here and just like you know uh you, we can talk about guys like, uh, you know, I'll throw someone like Goldberg out there and say, sure, he was a, a great draw for for a, for a short period of time. Well, that, that's awesome, but that's not enough for a Hall of Fame. And I, I, I sort of see Taui the same way in the ring where, sure, I've, I enjoyed some of his stuff, but do I think he was a Hall of Fame caliber worker? I don't know. I don't think he is, and that might be unfair because I'm definitely – I definitely discredit him some because I do think uh, the the level of some of his matches were raised by the people that were around him. And uh, I can't seem to kick that thought. And I really think that I believe that that era of all Japan could have flourished without him. That might be controversial. I don't know, but I know that it wouldn't have flourished at the same level without the other three guys. I know that it wouldn't have. Um, And I feel like it could have without him though. Um, so I, I don't know when you put all that together, you, you'd, you'd need another, you'd need another guy in the role, but it wouldn't necessarily like he wasn't integral to, it didn't need to be him. Like you could have got another guy who could have sort of played the second Kawada kind of bit of a dickish heelish kind of aggressive guy. Yeah, and it would have been fine. Whereas exactly. I don't think you could have, you couldn't have gotten another Kent Kobashi to be no one else was going to be as just fiery and um, just throwing it all out there as Ken Kobashi. You wouldn't have got, you couldn't have got a guy to be Masawa because there was no one else who could carry the mantle of of being that kind of um, stern, stoic, but at the same time just subtle charisma that just appealed to the Japanese fans at that point in time that Misawa had and then you certainly couldn't have gotten another Toshiaki Kawada that wrestled in a way that to- Toshiaki Kawada did because he was just he's he may be like one of the top two three greatest of all time in terms of actual in-ring wrestling and, and how he carried himself um I- I mean that was that was a far more articulate way of making the point that I was badly making. I mean, you you <laughs> couldn't you 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 absolutely could not replace any of those other three. And if somebody ranked those three one two three in terms of the three greatest wrestlers of all time, I wouldn't I might not agree with them, but I it'd be hard to really argue. Look, I respect that opinion is the point, and I absolutely firmly agree. That you could have replaced Taue with somebody, not just anyone off the street, obviously, but you could have replaced him with someone else in that role and they wouldn't have missed a beat. Whereas if you lose one of those other three, I think the dynamic completely changes. So for all those reasons, I'm on the fence with him, but I lean no. I really like Taue as as a wrestler. Um, I think he's got a charm to him. He's got... um he's got a way about going about things which is just unique and different and it it adds a lot but um it, to me he 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 was a he was a great contributor to to that awesome run in all japan but it wasn't i don't think it was a hall of fame level i think what he needed was a he didn't even need like necessarily a run as good as Akiyama had in the 2000s, but he needed more than what what he offered. He was kind of he had the the build and the just the athletic ability that it was. He was never gonna have the longevity as he got older and kind of more awkward. And it was like it's uh, he's a big guy that's just kind of an awkward build. Like as you get older, it's and 
wrestling as your profession like it's going to be hard to kind of go on into your late 30s and 40s and really be a um an exciting uh, uh, big contributor f- like for a long period of time like i don't think it was ever going to happen with Tawe. it was just the nature of who he was but i think he needed he did need more and like there was glimpses like the 2006 match at marafuji that people love which was, I thought was a fantastic performance by Tower. He was so great in it. But we needed more of that. We only got glimpses, and um, I, I just don't think it was enough to push push him on as uh, to, for really to be even in consideration for a Hall of Fame. I, I just don't see him at that level. Um, I don't think he was. I don't think you can ever really point to him as as a major draw. Um, uh, they did all right. I, I should say, no, not even all right. They did very well with him when they gave him a nostalgia run in, um, I think, late 05 in Noah. But, like again, very short. And I think if they kept the belt on him for, say, like six, seven, eight months, like, I don't think he would have drawn that well. But, hey, it's not – you don't – I'm a big believer in, in not bringing what-ifs into a Hall of Fame discussion. Mm-hmm. But it, he, he, he didn't do it, so it didn't matter. But – um. Um. Yeah, I just to me it's it's not there. I don't think there's like a huge. I don't think there's a huge like influence argument either to be made. So no, I don't. I don't feel it for Tao. I'm afraid to say. And and I, I'm sad to say that because like he's a guy I do really like a lot, and I understand why people really like him, and I I can see why people get behind him. But I just think if you if you step back and look at it, he just doesn't come anywhere close. But that's just me. Um, two guys I wanted to talk about real quick. You, you mentioned one of them was Grand Hamada, and then uh, Seiji Sakaguchi are both guys that are on the new 1550 uh, rule, uh, and and they're in danger of possibly falling off. Uh, Grand Hamada he had 30% last year, and uh, Sakaguchi had 34%. Uh, Alan, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on both of them? And you mentioned Grand Hamada is a guy that you're potentially thinking about voting for. Uh, we've oh, sort of well, asked everybody vote this. For him. Oh, he, he's okay. So uh, he's a definite for you. Oh yeah, then. he's. I've got. And like is that? Six, uh, sorry, sorry, Rich. I've got like six guys that I, I'm, I'm definitely yeah. voting for. And then I was just kind of what the ones I mentioned earlier are my ones that are like right, like tippy top. Okay. Uh, my mortal locks. That okay, I just got love it, got those it. Okay. One thing we do want to clarify before are you are you open to saying who you're voting for, right? Oh yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. Cool. I, I so we had some people that wanted to save them. All right. You're not. You're, you're good. So I haven't set set it in stone yet. As I mentioned, I got six guys. Then they are um, uh, Akiyama, um, Hamada, Nagata, uh, Edge, Ivan Koloff, and Brock Lesnar. They're my six. I'm definitely voting for. And then I've got a pool of about eight guys that I'm looking at for my last four spots so like i i have i have about 14 candidates that i think like deserve uh, deserve to be in a hall of fame i'd be comfortable voting them into the hall of fame um maybe even a little more than that um but obviously you have to keep it down to 10 so um yeah i've, I've got so those sort of bubble guys um we'll talk about a, cu- a couple of them um that are on the japanese side of things but uh yeah so that's kind of where i uh where i stand as far as my ballot right now Okay, cool. So, so as far as Grand Hamada, now is he a guy that did you vote for him last year, or was this new fifteen fifty rule something where you said, okay, cool, I need to vote for him because I don't want him to fall off? I've voted for him both years since I got a ballot. I think he's, okay. I think he's one of the strongest candidates on here. Um, I think he is as far as okay, so breakdown again as far as work rate goes. Um, this is a guy who <laughs> has been an incredible worker across. Like what is it like five decades or something ridiculous? Um, 
in the nineties he was he was like fifty, like during those Michinoku Pro days. I'm pretty sure, and he was an integral, in the, uh, an inter- integral part of um, some of the best wrestling that was going on in the world during that time. A real revolutionary period of, of the, the Michinoku Pro um, style of wrestling. He was like the veteran on the scene, um, feuding with like the the Dick Togo led Kaiantai Punk Kids kind of group, and and. This guy was amazing during that period. If you watch any of the classic Michinoku Pro tags, he's in them. Go back to the 80s. Whenever I've seen 80s Gran Hamada footage, I'm just blown away by how ahead of his time he is and how ahead of a guy like Tiger Mask who gets just... And I, I do think like there's been a lot of anti-Tiger Mask sentiment, but I... I, I would say like he was spectacular and he deserves a lot of the praise he gets, but... I think it's ridiculous to give that praise to Tiger Mask and for Gran Hamada to like never be mentioned in the same regard because Gran Hamada was like every bit of spectacular but without the kind of um bit of rough around the edges element that you had with Tiger Mask where sometimes things didn't really look perfect or things got a bit sloppy or whatever. But with Hamada, it's just this fluid, majestic pro wrestling. It's just so ahead of its time. Like he pulled up a match from 1980 and this dude is doing matches that i probably saw someone do on an indie show in 2007 i was like oh my god i've never seen that move before but gran amato was doing it in 1980 and it's it's absurd um i've never seen anything he he did in 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 mexico like in the 70s um and 80s as well but um we'll talk about sort of him as a draw like he obviously did really well there um so getting back to work right i just think to, to be that good with that amount of longevity is just crazy, and uh, I think he deserves huge credit for that. Um, b- box office um, as a drawing card, Dylan has, has mentioned many times that Hamada has this real good success in, in Mexico, and he was he was a legitimate draw there that people might not know about. And it was during a time when Mexico was, was on fire, but and maybe like if he wasn't there they would have still been drawing the same houses but he was there and he was a guy used on top and they were drawing these huge 20,000 houses and stuff like that and that really needs to be um he was putting like big hair matches and stuff like that mass matches like it did really well so like i can't really give him a big knock in that regard he was never i suppose he was never really used as like a main box office draw back in his home country in japan um unless you came with Shinoku Pro, but that was smaller scale, so how much weight do you want to give it? Um but basically what I'm coming around to is the as much as I said work rate was great, the the main thing going for this guy is influence. He is to me more than any other candidate on the ballot. He is I don't think pro wrestling that we look at now in WWE, in PWG, in wherever you want to point to, would look like it looks if it wasn't for Gran Hamada. This was a guy um if you if you want to talk about like Tiger Mask like being the guy who kind of revolutionized this kind of fast paced mix of 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 Japanese wrestling with lucha, um, it, he does, certainly deserves credit for being a guy that kind of planted seeds of this thing. But um, Gran Hamada was the guy that sowed those seeds. He was the guy that went on to create the first promotion that was solely wrestling in this style. He was the guy to go on to train all the guys who became great, who then went on to train the guys who became great. This guy, there would be no Dragon Gate. Um, There would be no, like, 
There would be no Michinoku Pro in the 90s. This this guy was so influential. Hell, he trained the bookers of current New Japan. Um, he trained the guy who trained Okada. Um, it's it, you could go you could go on and on. And like I did a, I'd say if, if anyone is interested in uh, getting Fighting Spirit magazine, and here comes a, a plug. Uh, it's a magazine I write for, um, based out of the UK, but is available worldwide on, on the iPad, um, Kindle, all that kind of stuff. Go check out Fighting Spirit magazine. uk. You can get like a free issue if you subscribe for the um, for the digital version. I'm pretty sure. And I would recommend people, and this is just me tooting my own horn, if you're going to get a free issue and you want to read something I wrote, the thing I'm most proud of that I've ever written, maybe in my life, was an article I did on Michinoku Pro and the history of Lucharezu, as it's kind of sometimes known, um, at this time last year. And I talked to Ultimo Dragon, I talked to Great Sasuke, um, and I talked to um, the guy who basically ran the business side of Michinoku Pro in the 90s. And like just talking to those guys and bringing up Gran Hamada, it's so clear the reverence this guy is is kind of thought of with. It's it, it to me, it's just wow. This guy is like the god, the grandfather of a style of wrestling which has been um, like the the U.S. Indies. I know the U.S. Indies is hardly like a huge major thing, but I mean it's something that is quite prevalent and and we all enjoy it and watch it and. There's so much stuff that we see on the U.S. Indies is like you watch a Johnny Gargano match, like Johnny Gargano, right. like his match would look completely different. He wouldn't like so much of what he does wouldn't be, it wouldn't have even existed if it wasn't for Gran Hamada. So yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the crux of my argument, I suppose. If it wasn't for Gran Hamada, we wouldn't have Johnny Gargano, and that's why he should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Joe, what are your thoughts on Gran Hamada as a candidate? Um. On the fence, leaning yes in this case. Uh, I hope I pushed you over the fence here, Joe. Well, well, here's the thing. Um, here's he's a guy I didn't vote for last year, and I I really am listening hard to people like you and Dylan and others who have made cases for him. Um, and I, I'm I'm starting to be pushed over the top. Um, but he's he's an interesting candidate in where the work, you know. The 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 uh, the drawing part of his case comes completely from Mexico, which is odd, um, because you know and and you know we need to rely on people like Dylan and others who have have done that sort of research to show that this isn't just a work rate and influence candidate because like it or not there's a lot of people who vote for the Hall of Fame who really, in my opinion, overemphasize the drawing aspect of the Hall of Fame. And I think we're all guilty of it to a degree in putting the most emphasis on that part of the criteria. I think everybody is guilty of it to a degree, but there's clearly some people who that's essentially, if, if they don't consider you a draw at any point, they're not voting for you no matter what. And I'm not sure if that's fair. And with this candidate here, I'm not sure if maybe the actual Japanese people who are voting understand that he was a draw in Mexico. They may, you know, because he was a better draw in Mexico than he was in Japan, and maybe he will get disregarded because he didn't draw as well in Japan, and they're not just not familiar with what he did in Mexico. So I think that's where uh, where Hamada as a candidate might get a little tricky, and it might be why he doesn't get a ton of support because he doesn't even come close. I mean, this is a guy who, uh, you know, hovers around that thirty percent mark. 
So he's not even halfway home, and again, uh, he's in danger of being on the chopping block. Now, I know you mentioned he took uh, he won seven hair matches, and he took a mask as well in his lucha career. So um, definitely a guy, and he and he lost three hair matches. So he was seven and three in hair matches, and he and he was one and zero oh, mask versus mask. So this is a guy who clearly was respected there too. Um, you know, if he was if he was taking people's hair and, and masks, but. Um, so it's kind of a split candidate. I mean, he had a he had an equally great career in 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 two different areas of the world, which which might make things a little tricky. Um, but he's definitely a guy who I'm on the fence. I'm leaning yes. I'm just I'm a hard marker, man. I I don't I I didn't use all ten of my votes last year, and I'm not even going to come close to using all ten of my votes this year. I might not even use five votes out of the wrestler non wrestler. I'm using all five, but out of the wrestlers. I, I may not even get the five. I'm not, I know I'm not going to get the ten. So, but he's definitely mm-hmm. someone. Yeah, I just I'm a real hard marker, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm leaning yes on him. And just like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of on the fence, leaning yes on Junkyard Dog, but I'm not sure. Um, how, about, so, how about this? How about, how about Joe? I'm going to give you the the last push over the fence. If this doesn't do it. <laughs> if this doesn't do it. Then I don't think Hamada's going to get in or get a vote from you at least. Gran Hamada, great sperm. He gave us, he gave us Ayako Havada, who was a hell of a wrestler, a good-looking gal. Um, I Joe loves his ladies. Here's what I'm concerned about. He, he's wavering. He's wavering. You got here's him. Here's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that an argument of great sperm is what's going to sway me. I'm I'm concerned <laughs> about that. Uh, I will take the great sperm under advisement. Uh, he clearly got around when he was in Mexico, though, because I think he uh. I think he fathered several children uh, while he was over there, but uh, but yeah, look, if if the guy was a playboy, uh, that's certainly a uh, minor mark in his favor. I'm not gonna lie, I do enjoy a, a nice playboy. I can relate to that. So uh, yeah, may, maybe that will uh, add to his case for me. You may have shoved me off of that fence. We'll we'll see, but uh, I will be revealing my bracket. Uh, not bracket, uh, ballot soon enough. So uh, we'll see if some of these guys who were on the fence. You see, the strongest point for him because um, I'm a little skeptical of the of, of, of some of those uh, you know uh, gigantic Mexican uh, numbers at the gate and whatnot I'm just always skeptical of the research in Mexico and I'm skeptical how much he had to do with that and honestly I'm not knowledgeable enough to really uh, hammer hammer that point home for myself but the, the strongest part of his candidacy is clearly the influence I do agree with that so um, if there was ever going to be an influence candidate this would certainly be one of the ones at the top of the list. Yeah, going uh, going just down the list a little bit of, of people, you, Ellen, you sort of mentioned those the ones that he trained. You have Gato, uh, obviously Jado, Great, uh, Great Sasuke, uh, Jinsei uh, Shinzaki, uh, Kazayashi, Takamichinoku, Ultimo Dragon. Super, I mean, there there's some good names on there, and there's guys that have, as you said, sort of sired another generation there, and, and and all good stuff. So yeah, to me, he's one that I always sort of listen to, and obviously I don't have a ballot, but I, I sort of listen to, and, and and he's a guy that I do hope, regardless. Um, if he doesn't get in this year, that he stays on the ballot, because I think he's a guy that that is going to continue to just be built up a little bit more, a little bit more. And we're seeing it, it, it; it's happening slow amongst the numbers on the ballot. But I think he's a guy that definitely should. Based, on, I, I think the influence is very another, important. Uh, I, I really, really do. Another guy who um, is Sean Waltman. Sean Waltman says like Hamada UWF, which is 
the um, the promotion that Hamada started that led to Michinoku Pro. It was like the first mm-hmm. Japanese Lucha Libre promotion. Uh, Sean Wallman will always cite Hamada Yudoriaf as like one of the things that just kind of made him as a wrestler. And like watching that stuff and getting to go over there and work with those guys, he was just in awe of that style and those wrestlers. And um, he was like obviously a great worker. Um, but um, yeah, and like even even now, like uh, uh, as far as a modern guy, I know uh, perhaps like the biggest Hamada Yuruf like buff in the world is uh, believe it or not, Azima Ion, who just adores that stuff. He was like getting tapes of that when he was like thirteen. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's the the influence part. I don't think anybody could argue with. It's an impossible uh, side to take a stance against. I mean, uh, clearly, it's a Hall of Fame level influence. And um, you know, Alan, how do you, you know kind of transition? How do you feel about you know? We, we, there's the three criteria. There's drawing. There's uh, there's the ring work, and there's the influence. Are you someone who tries your best to 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 have them all as equal? Because I think there's no question that most voters, if they're being honest have them ranked drawing ability in ring work and then influence a distant third i'd say i'm i'm definitely i'm a i'm a what i see guy so like i i think in ring work is the thing that kind of draws me to a candidate most and then at that point i'll start looking at the other um not that i'm ignoring candidates who i don't think are great in ring certainly not but i mean when if i'm just like kind of scanned up and down the list i'm like oh if I see a guy like Minoru Suzuki, for instance, perfect example. I love Minoru Suzuki as a wrestler. So his name is going to jump off the ballot to me um, based on the fact that I, I love his in-ring work. But um, in his case, when I started looking at the other things, maybe maybe not. But like, yeah, I think I'd probably, if I had to rank them, it would be in-ring work then maybe try i i don't even really know like it's it all kind of depends candidate for candidate it's it's a hard one for me to say exactly um to but be don't honest. you think let me ask you this don't you think in general okay if there's someone who's just a phenomenal off the charts all-time draw people are willing to put a person like that in even if they're the absolute shits in the ring whereas if someone's an all-time great worker but they never drew a dime People are so quick to write those guys off. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's to, and, and that's and yeah, and and to me that's not right because if you read the ballot, it specifically says that you're to consider all three, and if someone is so outstanding in one of the three criteria, that should be good enough to get a vote, uh, or somebody who has something to offer in all three areas. It seems like we're we're in such a rush to put in the great draws. But we're but we always hesitate to put in the great workers right. and the people with the great influence. And I, you know, the one thing I always try to stress is, look, it's not the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame of draws, and it really frustrates me that the drawing component has so much more weight. Now, with that said, and to be fair, that's sort of the only one that's quantifiable, because the others are, are obviously much more dependent on your personal taste or your opinions. Uh, so that could be why, but I don't Let think that's sense. Joe. Let me ask you, Joe, if you were, if you were just like filling out a hall of fame from it's empty and you said, start putting guys in this, who would be, if you could say like three guys that would be going in just based on, on work alone, like to give me an idea of like kind of the standards you'd be, you'd be thinking, or maybe a better way of putting the questions, who'd be like the lowest guy who'd get in on work alone. So who'd be the, the guy who'd be, 
less great of a worker who'd be getting in just on work alone? What would be your cutoff there? Like, for instance, would a Kenta get in just on work alone? Okay, that's the thing. I know. I, I am almost... Well, I can't say that I know. Because if if the WWE run is, like, mystical-level awful, it could affect me. But if, if he was... Let, let me put it to you this way. If Kenta was on the ballot today, he'd be a lock, in my opinion. I'd vote and for it would him be instantly. it would be purely based on the work. A pure, just about, because, I mean, what drawing record can you point to? Yeah. Um. Th- there is none. But here's the thing. I personally think he's the wrestler of the decade of the aught decade. How can I not vote for him? I mean, I you know, yeah, I'd have to, because to me, that's being so outstanding in one of the three criteria. Right. And and that's and that's how it's read now. And here's the thing: if sixty percent of the people agree with me, then guess what? He belongs in the Hall of Fame for his work. But if Joe Lanza is the only one who thinks he was so outstanding in the ring, or only 20% of the voters agree that he was that outstanding in the ring, then he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. So I, I really think the great workers do get the short end of the stick. And for the people who say, oh, well, you know, the, the, the work part of it, it, that's just a matter of taste, and that's why it's not right. Well, that's why we have the 60% threshold. Look, man, if 60% of the people agree that Kenta – was a Hall of Fame level worker, then I'm sorry. The other 40%, you're just wrong. And sometimes in life, we have to accept that we're the outlier. I say that all the time on this show, uh, probably to the point that Rich is sick of it. And I know it drives Dylan nuts when I say that because, because you know, he is the outlier a lot of the time. But so am I. I mean, if sometimes you're just the outlier and you have to accept that. So when I vote for Kenta next year or the year after, and I know he's not getting in, and I know he's not going to get much support at all. I'm going to have to accept that I'm the outlier on his candidacy. But the whole reason that I bring this up is Grand Hamada, to me, is the perfect example of a guy who's so overwhelming in the influence box mm-hmm. that, to me, it almost wouldn't matter if he never drew a dime, which there's arguments that he may have in Mexico. Right. And it almost wouldn't matter to me if he wasn't considered a great worker, which he already is. So basically what I'm saying, Alan, is I think I just talked myself into the Grand <laughs> Yeah, and look at the longevity, which Dave kind of mentions as like kind of not necessarily one of the three main criteria, but like an extra little bonus thing. And this guy has longevity more than probably anyone else you can point to. He's... It's staggering, kind of, with what he, the length of his career, how good he was for such a long amount of time. But uh, Joe, are you prepared to be the outlier when we uh, vote Baron Corbin's ring jacket into the Hall of Fame? I, <laughs> I am always ready and willing to accept being the outlier. I wish there were more people who were willing uh, to accept being outliers. But uh, I, I'll tell you one thing: I know that I'm the outlier on the pro wrestling only board when it comes to their uh, top 100 workers of all time. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm certainly the outlier there. You, you need to, you need to, you need to keep in there as far as the discussion goes. I'm just, I wish I had more time. I was, I, there was one day this week in work where I was able to really dig into it and post in a few threads. And like, I'm really supporting that project. I think it's a great project. I mean, more different voices and more eclectic kind of tastes and stuff need to get in the mix. And it needs to be a, a good. I think it's, it's a, it seems to be at least as far as I've seen. I haven't dug through all. There's so much content on there right now as far as discussion. On various wrestlers, but uh, from what I've seen, it seems to be good spirited discussion for for the most part, and um, I I I hope that continues and we get a lot of different people in the mix and and different people. I'm gonna try and stick with it. And I'm gonna try and 
put in a, a top 100 wrestlers of all time uh, on WrestleMania Day 2016, I believe it is, uh, when I will hopefully be in Japan, and I'll hopefully have both of you guys with me in Japan, watching a New Japan Sumo Hall show in uh, April 2016, <laughs> when I try to... Offering to buy a trip there? Is that what I, I heard, Alan? Uh, oh, maybe, if I if I win a lot of money between now and then. But, uh, well, then work on that, because I would be, that, I'd be more than happy to go the, with that's that. The, so. That's the Dallas mania. You guys gotta come to me. You guys gotta come uh, to yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm Dallas going to Joe for that one. Yeah. I, Except you live like three hours away. It might not, it might not even, it might not even be uh, exactly then, but I know 2016, I'm going to Japan, and uh, when I'm going to Japan, I'm gonna try and get a lot of other people going to Japan too, because um, I get very, very lost there if I went there myself. <laughs> I don't know if I would be much help either, but uh, let's move on to a few other candidates here that um, ones that we're sort of familiar with, and, and I think uh, some fun arguments can be made about. Uh, there's one who's making his appearance on the ballot. I don't know. Uh, this is his first appearance, correct? Uh, Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. As far as we know. Okay. I doubt he would be on any other times. Uh, Joe, oh, wait, with maybe, you, Minoru Suzuki. He was briefly. Yeah, I feel like he was briefly, and then maybe I, I could be it wrong. It would have been years so ago, and, and there's really no way to research it without no, going it's... through the, the the newsletters. But he he hasn't been on in recent years. He was added right, to the okay, ballot. So, so as far as we know, yes. So we'll we'll assume he's been added to the ballot regardless. Uh, didn't have any votes uh, last year or the year before that. He wasn't on the ballot. Uh, Joe, I'll start with you. Thoughts on Minoru Suzuki as a Hall of Fame candidate? Yet, is there still time for him to build his resume, or is he just kind of a no? in general for you okay on one hand i have to be consistent because i i went on a pretty passionate rant on the show we recorded last night about um brock lesnar and how i used to consider the mma quotient and i did vote for him last year but now i no longer consider the mma quotient i feel strongly about that i've changed my mind and i'm not voting for brock lesnar this year i sort of have to be consistent i think if you just look at minoru suzuki as strictly a professional wrestler I don't think he has a, a Hall of Fame case, but then you get into that gray area of the pancreas stuff and right. how much of the, you know, we talked about this with Bix a little bit. How many of those fights were works? And if they were works, then it was pro wrestling. How many of those fights were carry jobs? And if they were carry jobs, then it was pro wrestling. Uh, if he was part of the office, then he was at least in on some of the works. Was he participating in the works? Was he not participating in the works? Did you, you listen had- to Ken Shamrock on Stone Cold Show? It was really weird talking about Minoru Suzuki because he was like completely open to talking about what he did with Funaki as far as what was a work, what was wasn't. But then he got really kind of a secretive when it came to Minoru Suzuki, and he was I'm like, glad you brought that up." I'm, yeah, I've not listened to that. I'll have I'm to glad you brought that up because I brought that up when we had Bix on because I, I've always said um, Ken Shamrock and and uh, and Funaki have always said have always openly admitted that. They were working fights. They were creating stars. They understood pro wrestling, and they understood how to make money and how to keep things going by creating new stars. Boss Rutten and Frank Shamrock have always denied ever knowing that they were involved in fights that weren't on the up and up, at least at that time. Uh, They're very adamant about it. And the one guy that was always very ambiguous was Minoru Suzuki. Nobody can kind of figure out uh, which side of that fence that he fell on. And, you know, you know, Bix maintains, look, if he was office, he knew. And that may be true, but it may not be true. Um, who's to say that, that Shamrock and Fanaki didn't keep him in the dark? We don't know that. So it's, it's, it's a real weird case with him. Um, I, I understand the MMA thing is, is different when it comes to Japan because it was all essentially one business, especially during that time. So that's where it kind of doesn't relate to Brock Lesnar, but it kind of still does. 
when it comes to Minoru Suzuki, you know what? I'm staying out of that muck this year. I'm not going to vote for him. I'm going to see what happens with him. And then uh, maybe I'll explore it, you know, more deeply uh, if he sticks around on the ballot and look at it from that end. Now, I, now, do I enjoy watching Minoru Suzuki? I mean, look, the guy is great. He's oh, so yeah, unique, yeah. and he's just a phenomenal pro wrestler. But the thing is, too, um, his great performances are so far apart. For, like, he'll have a this, he'll have a great match of the G1. year. Match, Those G1 match. matches. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, you know, he'll have match at a decade-level stuff. And then he disappears for eight months, and a lot of that is booking. Okay. A lot of that, <laughs> he gets, to Toriano for a yeah, year. Yeah, he fights Toriano one thousand times. But let's be fair, though. But let's but hold on now. Let's be fair. Let's go back a couple years before the endless Yano feud. He was always a guy that kind of got lost in the booking from time to time. And 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 it, that I don't know if that's all on him or you know. He, but but again, when you're talking about Hall of Fame, there's no what ifs. You can't you know. It's opportunity is a big part of it. So he has these great performances, but they're so spread out and they're so few. You know, uh, you know he'll have a great performance, then you you won't hear from him. For for eight months, and then he'll have another performance. You're like, wow, this guy's incredible. And the thing with him is he, he probably doesn't have a ton of time to keep building a case because he's also, you know, he's going to be pushing 50 years old soon. So um, I don't know. He's a real – He's 46 right now, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he's a real tricky candidate. I, I think a lot of it depends on what you make of the pancreas stuff. For me, um, I'm I'm not going to – as I said, he was a guy. When I see his name, I get enamored. Of, oh, Minoru Suzuki. I love Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, I'm going to vote him, and then I think about it. And – I'm not going to vote him, and the reason being that even if I were to include the Pancrase stuff, which I probably would, I, I I include the MMA stuff when thinking about Brock, but um, so I would I would definitely include the Pancrase stuff with Minoru Suzuki. But the thing is, he wasn't the top guy. He was clearly behind Funaki as far as the the native guys go, and was being the number two native guy in Pancrase that big of a deal was it a hall of fame level deal uh, i'm just not sure convinced it was so like adding that into what he's done in pro wrestling is cool i think um his work as a freelancer before he kind of became settled in new japan really opened up a lot of doors for for other guys to do similar kind of stuff and he was a bit of a trendsetter him and the takiyama and kensuke Suzuki as regards to sort of being freelancers and bouncing around all these different promotions and he did great work uh, throughout the 2000s in places like noah and all japan and and the new japan but um honestly i just i i don't think as a whole case coming together that it's that it really um that it really clicks for me. I think he could be a guy that could have a huge influence, but I, I just don't think he, he's never really, uh, to my knowledge, he's never really tr done a huge amount of training of guys. He hasn't really, like, uh, Harry Smith actually made an interesting comment on on a show with Dave and Brian recently that, that didn't really surprise me, just based on the impression I have about Minoru Suzuki. That was that he'll roll around with you before shows and stuff like that, and you'll you'll learn a good bit from him, but you can't help but feel he's withholding things from you and he's keeping a lot of his tricks to himself and stuff like that, and uh, I, I found that kind of interesting. Um, and that would be something which might get in the way of someone as far as being a real influential guy and kind of training people and and bringing people forward. Um, but um, so yeah, I. Like, hey, I I love this guy. I thought he was incredible this year in the G1. I have a friend who um uh he watches very little Japanese wrestling. He's a big wrestling fan. Has watched WWE and stuff as long as I have. But uh, as far as Japanese wrestling goes, 
he'd watch basically what I just really tell him he needs to watch and maybe 10 matches a year at most. And um, he loves Minoru Suzuki. And he was actually just talking to me recently. So he knows the Hall of Fame is going on. He saw he was a guy on the ballot and he was asking me if I was voting for him. And he was saying that to him, as someone who kind of doesn't know a huge amount about the Hall of Fame or even about Suzuki's case in general, he was just saying to me that, uh, and this is a guy who he, used, he actually, um, my friend, he, he wrestled a bit himself. He was trained by Devitt um, for when, when we were like 18. He spent like a year and a half training with Devitt. And uh, so he knows a good bit about wrestling. And he was saying that Minoru Suzuki is a guy who it's incredible to him as someone watching who doesn't know a huge amount about Japanese wrestling or understand just Minoru Suzuki's ability to get across stories and character work within a match just with the way he sells things in his face and and just his performance like between yeah. the moves is, is something that he just feels is, is something he's never seen with any other wrestler the level it is with Minoru Suzuki and he was just and, sure he, he was uh, just like yeah yeah I totally agree but no I'm probably not going to vote for him <laughs> and, and Joe might remember this as well it, it, one of the big reasons I got into Japanese wrestling is Joe said you know Joe was sort of talking about it I was complaining we, we knew each other going back on, on various websites and that sort of stuff and I was complaining about wrestling or something he goes hey you know what here, you need to start watching Japanese wrestling and I, I don't recall what exactly match it was but you sent me a Minoru Suzuki match it was him versus I, I, I cannot recall who he was against um, it might have been one of the Tanahashi ones it wasn't that 2012 no, I, I don't remember it was, which one it was, was. It was before the New Japan quote unquote boom, so it wouldn't have been. Yeah, it was some Suzuki versus somebody. And I don't remember said, what it was, but it was. Yeah. You, you said, look, if you don't like this, you don't like any. You don't like wrestling or whatever. And it was Suzuki versus someone, and I remember I just watched Suwama, it. And I was maybe? just blown away. Yeah, I, you know, it, it'd be so hard. I mean, I I've seen so much now I, since I, then. Yeah, and I, and I've. And I sent you plenty of stuff and recommended stuff that you blew me off, so I don't know what you actually ended up. <laughs> so, I so I don't remember what match it was, honestly. No, but it was it was it was Suzuki, and it was very similar to what your friend sort of said. It was like this guy that I knew nothing. I didn't know any of the background. I knew some of the names. I know a little bit about what was going on. And this guy just had me hooked. And then from then on, I said, Joe, you know what? What else can I watch, or what should I watch? And you know, here we are today, where I'm just you know at work. I'm, I have another screen at work that basically just runs Japanese wrestling all day. Where yeah, I mean that that's that's. You he was prick. a guy that just so <laughs> nice life, huh? Nice life. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not God bad. It's okay. Hey, hey, I had a dead end job before that. Alan, so. he's not kidding. He 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 will watch Dragon Gate Infinity episodes while he's at work, <laughs> and text about him and tweet about him. That's what he's doing at work. Or he'll, you know, he'll he while, while I'm doing real work too. Let, let's I'm while, doing I'm, real while work. I'm trying to stay awake at night watching these New Japan shows live, he's resting away, sleeping in bed because he knows he can watch the whole damn thing the next day <laughs> at work. <laughs> unspoiled oh, you know he wakes that's, up stretches out his little arms despicable. there in chicago yeah steps out on the mean streets of chicago goes to work uh nice and relaxed and watches the entire new japan show and Sips dragon gate infinity coffee. episodes you know well, while he's while he's getting joe paid are, me and joe are working our fingers to the bone <laughs> joe's not doing sure. shit maybe sure. you are joe's not doing anything don't listen to joe uh, joe's a hustler but uh yeah so um it, but let me ask you this: As far as look, even if all three of us agree that Minoru Suzuki is a is a, a highly unique, incredibly skilled, let's let's for the sake of argument say he's one of the greatest. He's a Hall of Fame level in ring performer. Okay, let's say that for the sake of argument, uh, which I don't think is much of a stretch, and we may all really agree on that. Do you agree that even if you're a Hall of Fame level worker, do you need the performances as well? Because does he have enough? Um, um, does he have enough 
all-time classic performances, even if he's an all-time great worker. It's sort of the William Regal argument. Mm-hmm. I would say no, and and that's I I love. I mean, there's there's really really high as you mentioned. There's those highs are unbelievable, all-time great highs. But then there's just I just don't think there's enough. I mean, honestly, you know, off the top of my head, and and, and I've I've done research on Suzuki a little bit as well. I know looking at you know dave ratings he's only got i think four uh sorry 14 uh, you know above four star matches and stuff and a lot of the ones that i've went back and rewatched and stuff and there, there's these incredible five star you know he might be my match of the year this year you know he did the, the one against tanahashi 2012 was another incredible one but there's just the highs are really high but then the everything else is just kind of there it's just as you mentioned it go you can go sometimes six or seven months without him really putting together performance so you go wow this guy is you know one of the best in the world you just forget sometimes then he reminds you again but yeah i don't know if it's enough i really don't i'd love to um i'd love to really delve into the early 90s suzuki catalog and see how much is there i've I've never had the opportunity maybe some year i'll get a chance to really go through all that and see this huge amount of quantity that we can add to what we've seen in the last like 10 years or whatever um and if there was a ton, then that would be a, a real case for him having the quantity as well as, well as the quality. But um, uh, there's definitely potential there because there's a match. Uh, I've just pulled it up in front of the uh, February 27, 1990. Against, uh, oh, really? There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, Not the 1990 part, but I was three. But. <laughs> on, the, on the UWFI uh, Rich Kreich uh, anniversary show, um, <laughs> It was Minoru Suzuki against, uh, oh, I forget his first name. He's just listed as Nakano here. He's this, like, stubby, chubby guy with a mullet and a mustache who was, like, just... He had an F1, like, the greatest shoot-style matches ever against Vader, where Vader just squashes him in, like, a minute, but it's, like, the best thing ever. Um, anyway, he has this match with Minoru Suzuki here, which may be my favorite shoot-style match of all time. And I've seen a, a good amount of shoot-styles from all the different promotions, Rings, Pank Race, UWFI... Um, this one is just incredible. And Suzuki is like, I don't know, maybe 23, 24 here. Every bit the dickhead he is now. And uh, <laughs> it's just a joy to watch. So I'd recommend people check out that match. And if they want to check out lots of other Minoru Suzuki they can find and recommend stuff to me, I'd greatly appreciate it. Because, yeah, I would like to see if there's if there's if we could beef up his kind of qu- quantity aspect of things as well. But, um, yeah, he's... I'm with you guys as far as kind of what we've we've seen and what's kind of what's kind of out there. I suppose, like, yeah, it just seems he's a guy that has the talent. But like, a Regal is a great a great um comparison because he's a guy that you always see talked about as just this great wrestler, and and I don't disagree with that. I love William Regal, but if I'm to think of like great William Regal matches, you come up after. Like, I can, I can I can come up with a few. Don't get me wrong. There's a few there, but like versus a guy. Where's a, was, where's the where's the all time great Stephen Regal match? Where is it? Yeah, it's. I it's, mean, I mean, look, I like the guy too, and I like a lot of his. I, there's a lot of matches of his I like, but where's the all time great match? They're, they're, they don't exist because opportunity, unfortunately, is part of it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like he was never. He, he, I don't think Regal was ever really in a setting or a position, or, or maybe he could have been if he avoided the um the drug issues during like probably his prime years. Um, maybe he would have kind of got opportunity to have a series of great matches like for a long period of time and really beef up kind of his his portfolio of work. 
but um, no, I just kind of when I think of him as a great worker, I think of him as a guy with great ability who looked amazing, but not necessarily has a huge portfolio of of high end matches. I'm sure people will skewer me for saying that, but when I think of when I think murdered for this, believe me. When I think of Brian Danielson or El Generico or Kenta Kobashi or um or countless other dudes it's like Koji i can Kano. just oh, oh, can i can just yeah i can open up this portfolio of like year after year just these amazing matches that i think are some of my favorite matches of of that year as, as you go through the guys like Jushin liger it's 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 just not something you have with a guy like uh regal but it's with Suzuki, there's uh, there's more there than there is with Regal. Uh, that's oh yeah, with Suzuki, you, Suzuki will give you one or two a year. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and I think hey, I think I he think, gave us about four uh, in the G1 this year. And the G1, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, this year he did extra yeah. just to sweeten it up for us. But I think that guy you were thinking of was Tatsuo Nakano. It has to be. Yeah, that sounds about right. It has to be. If you're thinking UWFI, it has to be. Well, let's let's real quick uh, while we're while we're talking on the subject of a guy like Minoru Suzuki, there's a, a similar one we've discussed. You know, the weird blending of MMA and wrestling. There's a guy in here who's uh, received 42 percent uh, the past two years. Uh, he's second among historians, and that's Volkan. How do you, Alan? I'll start with you. Maybe how do you sort of work him into there? Is he a guy that you're even considering? What's I mean for people that don't know about Volkan either, if you could sort of describe a little bit about what this sort of is, because this is one that's really particularly weird again more so than even Minoru Suzuki and more so than a lot of the other guys as well um I kind of tie uh Vulcan with um Tamora as well who was a guy who um I, I think 44 he was, he's 44% as well yeah so that's, last year and 40% the year before I think um Correct. very very similar um cases for these two guys um Tamora and Han, and Han were both big stars in rings, um, which was the promotion that Akira Maeda was the ace of. It was his promotion. He found that he was the, the main guy that they promoted the, the first like Budokan shows they did, which were big sellouts. It was all promoted around Maeda. It was his baby. Um, but Han came in as this, um, when they were like pushing it, it was this legitimate kind of sporting feel and they had this russian come over and like new japan have had their russians brought over that had been a pretty good success I, I would say like it was a unique interesting thing that kind of caught on with people and so they brought this russian into um rings and people were just wowed by this guy in his debut match in a main event with maeda and he just became a star instantly and he went on to be probably the number two star four rings tread their existence and there was a, a year i think it was 93 maybe 92 where where maeda was out injured for the majority of the year and han became the top guy and they built around him and he he did like as far as like a russian wrestling in japan he did pretty pretty well as a draw during that time and um, you got to give him credit because as far as like gaijin like top guy draws go in japan there, there's very few that you can point to and then he really did a great job but um i think the biggest thing people point to as far as him is is being just this other realm amazing worker in a style that was unique and may not really exist at a high level now just he was people consider him the best at the shoot style um style <laughs> but um he 
the, the big knock on him was that he had something like, I don't have it in front of me, but he had something like 80 matches in his whole career, which is like ridiculously low. He, he, he was wrestling like on average like eight, nine matches every year, um, but they were big matches. And in each match, he looked incredible. But to me, uh, Jeremy Wall wrote a great piece on the, the front page of figure four um, about Han. And he said what it comes down to is really, do you consider him that much ahead of the other really great shoot style workers that he that he is like that it gets him into the hall of fame because you take a guy like a gary albright who i don't think anyone would very consider for the hall of fame but he's got a very similar case and he was this gaijin over working the shoot style he was uwfi and, and he was doing really well and pushed the, the top gaijin before vader came in there um, and he was a great shoot style worker bringing his amateur wrestling. Um, but no one would really consider him for the Hall of Fame, I don't think. And w- would Han be that far ahead? Like To me, when I watch Han's stuff, I get that it was probably mind-blowing at the time. But when I'm watching it, I'm seeing, okay, this guy is amazing. But I... I don't think he's light years ahead of other great guys. Uh, other great guys like Tamora, who was probably um, the the best Japanese guy at the style. Um, I just I, I don't know if he's if he's that much ahead, but he he's really great. Um, he's he's one of the guys I'm considering in that bubble that I talked about, but probably the lower end of it, and I don't think he's gonna make my cut. Um, but he's he's a unique candidate, interesting sure. kind of fun one to talk about. Yeah, definitely, Joe. Where where do you stand on Volcan? Uh, I'll keep it short because I don't have a ton to say. I don't vote for either one of them. I never will. Um, I you know, first of all, the style. And you're talking about Tamura and, and Han, correct? Yeah, just to clarify. The, yep. the, 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 now with Han, you know, to me, he doesn't have a, a big enough resume of, of total matches. He just, I mean, it, he just doesn't have a ton of matches. And and the other thing with him is uh, a big part of the argument for him, a big big part, is people consider him the greatest. Uh, wrestler of all time in his particular style. Well, here's the problem with that for me. I'm not enamored with that style, and I never was. I don't like that style of wrestling. I think when you're that close, when the style of wrestling is that close to being a shoot, I'd rather just watch shoot. That's just the way I look at it. I, I like MMA. I'd rather just watch real MMA uh, than, than watch guys pretend to have these violent fights. It just never appealed to me, even even at the time. It just... I would watch it, and I didn't see what other people were seeing. I don't know. It was okay. I'll, I'll be so. honest. I'll, I'll be honest. I like shoot style wrestling a lot, but if I'm forced to choose between watching like whatever classic Volcano match you want to pick out, where it's just this incredible back and forth um, chain wrestling, or not even chain wrestling, but exchange of submissions and in and out of holds and that kind of thing, versus a UWFI tag, which I saw where it was, I think, Vader and John Tenda against Gary Albright and uh, Yamazaki, and it was just like, it may not have looked as pretty as as like a Vulcan match, it may not have been as technical, but it was just so much more dramatic, and it was it was pure shoot style, like it wasn't like, it wasn't Earthquake 1990 WF, this was John right, Tenda right, like, right. being a <laughs> badass, and mm-hmm. it was it was phenomenal, and I would take that style of shoot style over the Volcan style of shoot style, personally, for me, nine times out of ten. So. I, I completely agree. And so if you're not – so if you're someone like me who's not enamored with the style, you're not impressed with the fact that he was so great at it. So 
um, I'm not going to vote for him for work. And I, I, I'm not, you know, don't think he was a wrestler for, uh, he didn't have enough pro wrestling matches for me to, I don't know. I don't see him as a pro wrestling hall of famer. I think it's too, it, it's just, he's just not a guy I would ever vote for. Uh, we'll move on to a few other names here before we uh, kind of get down to the end of the list here. Uh, Kojima and Tenzan have made their appearance. A very uh, perplexing one for a lot of people. Uh, Joel, I'll start with you. Tenkoji, I, what? <laughs> you, you made the argument on, on our intro podcast that you think each of them are stronger on their own, but as a collective, this is a head-scratcher. This one, uh, I don't think they're going to stay on the ballot. No, I, here's the thing. I understand why he put them on, because they added a bunch of titles you know what I mean? They won a bunch of NWA and IWGP tag titles. So from a kayfabe perspective, they've they've done some things and they they came back together. This legendary team they were put back together in the last couple of years. Uh, you know they've been eh, pushed to some degree. You know, nice mid card push for those two guys. I mean, and but the thing is, there's so few te- tag teams in the Hall of Fame that it would be really hard for me to justify putting this tag team in. Or, or giving a vote to this tag team when, when the Rock and Roll Express aren't even in. I mean, give me a break. So, um, you know, if, if, the, if the Hall of Fame was, was more inclusive to tag teams, I think they'd be stronger uh, contenders as a team. Because, uh, it, it, look, this isn't like it's just some garbage team that came together two years ago. This is a team that came back together. I don't know if a lot of people realize that. So, um, but yeah, I, I do think that they'd be stronger candidates on their own individually only because it seems like it's 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 impossibly hard for tag teams to get in and if there's only five or six tag teams in the wrestling hall i I, do you really see them as the seventh greatest tag team of all time i mean i I don't think anybody would make that argument i know i'm with joe yeah yeah, i got nothing i got nothing i can say that would would (laughs) kind of bring to sort of give them any positive shine as far as getting into the hall of fame i just I was shocked to see them come on the ballot. Like I'm, I'm not as big a fan of them as maybe some people might be, but like I do, I do like them, and I, I liked their run as a tag team in the early 2000s. I thought they were they were a very cool tag team. But uh, God, yeah, the 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 idea that they'd get on ahead of like. I could probably come up with 20 tag teams off the top yeah, of my I mean, head who, who probably yeah, won't ever get in the Hall of Fame. We counted, I think, what was it, Joe? Five or six teams on, that on are last actually... Night, yeah, when we recorded last night, there's only five or six teams that are... So are they the best, so you, you know, in the top ten of tag teams all yeah, time? Yeah, so if you're voting for them, you're effectively saying that you think they're a top ten tag team in the history of wrestling of all time. I mean, to me... And then you need to get your head examined. To me, that's, pat- <laughs> yeah. that's patently absurd. I, I you know, I, I, I just don't see it. So I don't think there's much more to say about uh, ten Koji tags. No, absolutely not. We'll move on. Uh, a guy that I wrote a little bit of an article about, Joe, I'll let you start with your thoughts. Uh, Yuji Nagata, he uh, was not on the ballot in 2012, uh, received 26% of the vote in 2013. Uh, where do you stand as far as Nagata? He's he's an interesting case, I think. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm passing this one right to Alan because I know he is passionate about you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't want to steal – we keep stealing each other's thunder depending on who goes first. Uh, he's the guest. I know he has. Uh, he, he's a Nagata fan. I'm sure he has strong okay, feelings on right. him. Alan, the floor is yours with Eugene Nagata. He's my guy. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm. If if there are bigger Eugene Nagata fans in the world, actually there probably are. It's probably Mike Sempervivi. Um, but if there's any bigger Eugene Nagata fans than me and Mike Sempervivi in the world, I'd like to meet them. Um, I've, I've always loved Eugene Nagata since the first time I laid eyes on the guy. He, to me. As a worker, just tremendous, and the the longevity he's had. Yeah, we talked about the anti-aging earlier. Uh, 
going since like 92 i guess when he broke in and um really great kind of black boots black trunks uh era run as a new japan in new japan and then um he came over to wcw and like yeah i i don't really put much weight in the wcw run to be honest positive or negative it was just kind of a thing he did like okada in, in america was a thing he did um so he came back and he was pushed as, as a top guy a kind of guy to take over and um, again, kind of talking in terms of work, I, I still I loved all the stuff. I loved the matches he had as champion um, with guys like Takayama, even like guys like Josh Barnett and Boss Rutten. I thought um, he did he did a great job. Um, then, as he kind of got into the veteran stage of his career, when it really when he really became a guy that I just thought was one of my favorite wrestlers, was 2007 when he um, when he traded the title back and forth with Tanahashi. And really made Tanahashi, uh, I think, during that the course of that year. He was just out of this world in those matches. And um, he also wrestled uh, Makabe. I think he made Makabe. Um, uh, Goto, he'd start to have matches with around that point, And, like, great match with him. Um, and then, like, he, he after that run as champion in 2007, he never, he never got another sniff of the title. He, he had one or two, maybe, title shots an amazing title shot in 2011 against uh, Tanahashi at Korokuen, which is one of the best matches of that year. Um, I don't know why they don't use him more for title shots. I don't know why he's never had a singles match with Okada since Okada came back, like not even in a G1. I think that's just ridiculous. It just And if they if they leave that go too long and Nagata's, I know we talk about the anti-aging, but at some stage it's going to catch up with him. And if they never do a big Okada-Nagata match while Nagata's still in it, still wrestling as well as he is i'll be so disappointed but um uh yeah just his facial expressions oh the matches with minoru suzuki at the tokyo dome like they've had like six or seven it feels like just these big tokyo dome matches and they deliver every time i love those matches um some people may think they rely too much on things like facial expressions and overacting in those matches but fuck i love that shit i think it's you're working the tokyo dome you're playing to like people who are like miles away from you in the back rows like you gotta you gotta be big and work for that big screen and put on the funny face and that's it that's 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 working your audience and they know how to do it and those matches got over every time in the tokyo dome um so okay so yeah nagata as a worker i love him um as a draw you can't point to him like I was with Akiyama earlier as a big successful draw. It's it's not really Darius' title run didn't work, and now yes, a big part of that was because he was thrown to the wolves in MMA, mm. and that hurt him unbelievably. But again, it's what happened. No what ifs. That's what happened. That's what we rate him on, and it's a negative in his case. But um, I think he's got the the work side strong enough that I'm I'm happy to to let it. Uh, override his maybe lack of success as a draw and then it comes down to, to influence for me as the deciding factor um richard this was the point i kind of wanted to bring up here because yeah, something yeah, that, you, that you didn't that you didn't mention in the in the piece and it was that i think he is one of if not maybe the i'd say maybe one of the five most important people as far as continuing the new japan legacy as far as bringing through young wrestlers 
in that New Japan mold and with that spirit of what it means to be a New Japan wrestler and wearing that, as corny as this may sound, wearing that New Japan Lion t-shirt with pride and and knowing what that stands for. And this is a guy who's in that dojo now at 45, 46 years of age, and he's working... He talked to, like, fucking Devitt about Yuji Nagata and what Yuji Nagata's like in that dojo, working harder than anyone. They put up a video of him training before the G1. I was like, this guy is on my best day at my, like, peak of <laughs> peak of working hard in the gym, which would have been, like, years ago, because I certainly don't work as hard in the gym as I did when I was, like, 20. But, like, I would never have the, exerted the energy that this man did in his, like, New Japan, in his G1 um, uh, promotional training video where he's just like dripping sweat and working hard and jumping up and down and gassing out the young boys who are half his age like it's ridiculous so anyway as far as like where this influence comes in he's like training these guys he's he's there day in day out he is the he's the he's just a a, a common uh guy in that uh he's he's in that setting and those guys look to him as as this kind of staple of the promotion, and they look up to him, and he brings people through. And uh, everyone that comes out of that New Japan dojo is, uh, maybe with the exception of Captain New Japan and, and Yujiro, everyone else is just this great wrestler, and and they're they're promoting pr- producing the best wrestlers in the world. Look at Komatsu and Tanaka; those guys. If you don't think those guys are going to be two of the best ten wrestlers in the world five years from now, you're crazy. They're going to be. Uh, you don't have to preach that to me. I. I... <laughs> have an un uh, an unadulterated love for those two guys especially Komatsu and I think you're right on the money those are going to be two of the best workers in the world and it isn't going to take very long uh, I'm, I'm I'm meandering here I think my, my the powers my nap gave to me might be drying up but like Nagata he, I just think he's he was just a real a real focal point of, of bringing through these great wrestlers in New Japan and, and like again I talked about with Akiyama, like respect from his peers and how well he's thought of, it's so obvious what like the wrestlers in Japan think of Yuji Nagata, and um, yeah, I think he's, I th- I think he he gets in when you when you look at his, if you're as big of a fan of his work as I am, and combine combine that with the influence, he is a Hall of Famer, even if he wasn't maybe as great a draw as as you would want you would have wanted them to be so yeah that's how about how, how about the philosophical idea of you know you mentioned a couple times that he's not a great draw but you know technically when he was on top some buildings did just as good if not better than they're doing now and tanahashi and the guys and okada and the guys now are are considered good draws because of where they took the company from well, they I think it's a case. It's a case of with Nagata was they were coming down to that level, and with right, Tanahashi right. they were moving up to that it's level. That, well, that, yeah, it's, it's context sort of no, changes. Exactly. Well, that's how that's kind of yeah, well, yeah, right. well. That's my question. Are you? Do you think it's fair to just look at raw numbers? Or to me, the context, To me, in life, context is everything. Yeah, and, and, I'm, and it I'm a context here guy. as well. Okay, so you're on the same wavelength as me. I give Tanahashi Okada the guys now way more credit. Uh, even if they're doing slightly smaller numbers in some of the buildings in Nagata because they are popping the business, whereas Nagata, people lost interest in the business. So um, I, I guess we're on the, the – there's nothing to debate here then because it seems like we're on – all three of us are on the same uh, uh, rich... we should We should clarify just that when we say they lost interest in business, it wasn't 
because they didn't they couldn't get behind the idea of Yuji Nagata as champ. It was more because they took like their champ and had him go get killed by Fedor. Right, they and were Mirko falling Krokop. asleep during horrible main yeah, events. Right, but, but it's like <laughs> right, you said though. I mean, yeah. that's that's the history and that's what happened. And unfortunately, right, right, it's, right. it's it, it is what it is. It's it's on the you know the ink is dried. Um, but but more which, of the bigger which was pretty good. Oh, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. But sorry. I, it, more of the bigger philosophical point, maybe not even specific to Yuji Nagata and Hiroshi Tanahashi or or to New Japan in general. Uh, just the idea of um, looking at the business in context. I mean, it's sort of like we kind of talked about that with Gran Hamada. I mean, that's why I'm kind of skeptical of what he drew in Mexico because if Mexico was red hot at the time, who's to say that he mattered? Um, so I, 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 I'm a big, I'm a big believer in trying to work context into it, but you know, that's where some of these debates get muddled. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, uh, it's to sort of combat that as well. I looked at a little bit of New Nagata stuff, uh, you know, Budokan and, and Sumo Hall and that sort of stuff to try to see if it was similar stuff. And, and, and it sort of shows that he didn't really, it, it, he was pretty neutral in both of those as well. So it's a lot of the New Japan stuff. Yeah. I, I mentioned that in my piece that, that obviously the business went down during his, but I didn't, I didn't blame him 100% or exclusively or whatever but as Joe as you said you, you can't ignore it so yeah he was he was an interesting one for me and he's one that I'm sort of in between and it, it, when I wrote the piece I asked people I said look I I am probably not the right person to tell you about his influence on the business on the you know on that company I needed other people to tell me and if, if Alan I mean you, you were one of the people I had a few other people that said you know he he's the reason the main event style is the way it is and that sort of stuff and 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 these are people I trust and I believe and I respect their opinions or whatever and and with that said, yeah, Nagata becomes a, a little bit more interesting for me because he starts to tick a, a box. In ring, I don't know if I'm still quite there yeah, with Eugene Nagata. Joe, where I, do you sort of that's stand? That's something with I wanted to ask you guys because I've heard you mention a few times on, on the show over over the like last year, like that you're not a huge Eugene Nagata fan, certainly not as much as I would be. What is it about about Nagata that doesn't click with you? Is it the over reliance and kind of the the facial stuff, or the facial stuff doesn't bother me? Um... Uh, look, everybody, you know, in, in this day and age in wrestling, everybody has their, their, you know, their, their, their certain spots that they go to. And look, he's going to do that armbar, and he's going to roll his eyes on the back of the head. And you, you know, it, it doesn't. It's not something that bothers me. His exaggerated facials don't bother me. I run hot and cold with Yuji Nagata. He's not somebody I dislike, but he, you know, when I'm running through my mind of thinking of, you know, uh, you know, my favorite workers of all time or in this time period, or so, he's never someone who pops to the forefront either. Mm -hmm. I kind of just run hot and cold on him. He has matches that I think are dull as dirt, and then he'll turn around and have a match that I think is just phenomenal. He's, for me personally, he's just, he's very inconsistent for my tastes. I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, and, and at the end of the day, all told, I end up not having a really strong opinion on his work either way. That's kind of where I go as well. It, it, the facial and that sort of stuff, that, that doesn't bother me too much. Uh, the fact is, I mean, I, I, I've, I've sort of, in, in writing this piece, I went back and, 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 you know, watched a lot of his old stuff, a lot of the classic matches, the ones watch, that were highly uh, rated. Here, here's what I want you to watch, Rich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with Yutaka Yoshie from the 2003 G1. Actually, you could pick, I think they had G1 matches in 02, 03, and maybe a couple of later years as well. But the 03 one in particular. That match is so good, uh, and okay, uh, that's a guy. The, the Yoshie in 2003 was hardly a super worker by any means, and that match is incredible. Yeah, no, he's a guy that, and as I was saying, I, it, when I watch those matches, he's not a guy that, even with those really all-time great workers, he doesn't stand out to me as, as as being, you know, head and shoulders above them. He just sort of seems to be. 
you know what I mean? Whereas I watch those matches and it's always like, I, I always feel like the other guy is, is is a little bit better. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair that the way I'm sort of picking out the matches and going back and looking at him. But I mean, it's, it's he's a guy that I think, I hope he does stay on the ballot because I do, I, I would like to have a little bit more discussion about him. I'd like people to do a little bit more research and I'd like to see, as if you said, if he has, let's get that Okada match and let's have him go there and have a 30 minute match and see what he can. I mean, if he has a, an unbelievable one, then we sort of, we have another thing to add to the resume, the in-ring and that sort of stuff. So yeah, he's an interesting one, but uh, yeah, I do hope he stays on the ballot. He's got tw- uh, 26% last year. So that's a good point. What if, they, what if they give him a big title match? Uh, I mean, that's, that's big. The first time, yeah. hold on. What if they give him a big title match at some point down the line and it sells out Sumo Hall? Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't that add to his resume if he has? Hey, like, I think if they built, if they slowly built him up with a couple of big wins and promotionally did the Yuji Nagata is going for one last title reign, he's he's determined. Had him cut the interviews talking about how he was he wants the title, he wants it one more reign. He was going to do it in Sumo Hall, this traditional New Japan building, and he was going to win the title traditionally in New Japan. Blah 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 blah. I think they could they could sell out Sumo Hall with that. I have, I think you'd get old fans back for that that may maybe aren't part of the current fan demographic that New Japan have. I think you'd get that mix. I think it could make for. I think Yuji Nagata Kazuchika Okada at Sumo Hall is one of the great potential matches that could have happened in the last two years that hasn't happened and. God, I hope it happens next year at some point. But they just don't seem New Japan seem just kind of content to use use Nagata here and there for something maybe. But eh, we'll loan him out to Noah for a couple of months. He can be mm-hmm. there. He can be their GAC champion. That's cool. Which, by the way, he deserves credit for his run of the GAC title because Noah was floundering and they had no one to give that belt to, and he took it. And he he held that up until they were ready to put it on Marafuji, and he did a damn good job with it. And uh, I give him, I give him a lot of credit for being able to do that. The All Japan Invasion stuff a couple years ago was probably uh, my favorite stuff that he ever did. When he oh, went with All Tanaki Japan. when he broke yeah. Tanaki's face, <laughs> and, and the way you know doing the cocky dance to the New Japan song after <laughs> his matches, and it was, that was my favorite stuff that he ever did. And I'll tell you another way. You know what he would have been perfect for? Now it's too late in the game, and it's never going to happen. He would have been perfect as an AJ Styles challenger, as sort of like a placeholder kind of challenger, because yeah. that whole story of you know That's restoring. The- that would have been a perfect storyline for him. Like, why didn't AJ Styles defend the title against a Naito or a Nagata in during the Destruction shows? I just don't understand why AJ they couldn't have squeezed in another defense before the G One. I don't know. It's going to be between May from May to oh God, we could go another two hours. We start talking current New Japan, but it, <laughs> it, from May to October, no AJ defense is ridiculous. But anyway, all right, a few more other guys here on the. Uh... Uh, ballot before we uh, get out of here. Uh, of- we mentioned him, Sakaguchi, who's uh, a guy that could potentially fall off uh, the ballot this year. We, we sort of mentioned him in the Grand Hamada stuff. Uh, 34% last year. Really quickly, Alan, Joe, what, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, I'll start with Alan. Like he, for me, like, I'm, I'm by no means an expert on Seiji Sakaguchi, but I feel comfortable that I know enough to know that I don't think he's a Hall of Fame caliber guy. I, um, I don't think he was of that level of importance. I don't hear anyone telling me uh, that he was this amazing worker. I need to go back and watch a load of his matches. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I don't see it for Sakaguchi myself personally. He's not getting in. Yep. <laughs> and he's probably, uh, and he's yeah, probably going to fall off. 
Yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, Mike and Ben Sharp, uh, 39% last year, 45% actually uh, 2012. Joe, start with you. Thoughts on that? I don't understand. They don't get enough support, um, which is hypocritical of me since I didn't vote for them last year. But they're they're on the fence for me. I think they're, you know, uh, their matches in the early days were very, very important to setting the stage for what followed. And I, I don't understand why they hover in that, you know, 30 to 40% range. And I, I also don't understand why, uh, and this is actually a bigger point that we don't have time to really delve into, but I don't understand why they're even on this portion of the ballot and why there isn't, uh, why uh, Dave does not move people into the historical ballot uh, part of the ballot, uh, except for the people in the United States, Canada. Because, uh, you know, it's pretty ridiculous that Mike and Ben Sharp um, you know, on the same portion of the ballot as Hiroshi Tanahashi last year. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah, I'm the same. I voted for them last year, but uh, I think uh, I th they're in my bubble. I'm there, and they're probably gonna get into my ten. Um, I think because just based on the fact that I voted them last year, I obviously obviously they did nothing within the past year to make me change my uh, <laughs> to make me change my mind on them. So. I'd like to try and keep consistent with if I vote for someone one year, I'm going to vote for them the next year unless something significant changed. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going with them again. I think influentially, uh, they planted a seed that grew into something really, really huge as far as Japanese wrestling. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, they basically were um, the big, the first big foreign gaijin talents to... Uh, to really what Japanese wrestling was almost built off after the the war when they had to, Japan conquering America to kind of counter the um uh whole real life situation <laughs> which was going on at the time so um uh they yeah they, they were they were huge um, they they set the template that's still being used today with the with yeah. the big peel foreigners so um I I look I mean Did I you say the big appeal foreigners. No, 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 big heel foreigners. I, okay. I, I, I wanted to drop true. a big appeal when you were talking about Davy Boy Smith Jr. But uh, <laughs> I'm not sure Mike and Ben Sharp were, were big on the big appeal either. So they were uh, the originators but, of it. <laughs> <laughs> but they were the big heel foreigners. Yeah, and I, I mean, I look, it, it's weird that you know two guys who were probably dead before 1985 are still in the you know modern part of the ballot. I just think everyone should be moved to historical, and whether that's fair or not. Well, you know what? If these guys have years and years and years of an opportunity to get in on the modern part of the ballot um i don't think it's unfair to move everybody into the same historical uh, same, part of same the ballot deal, so. same deal with masahiko kimura is he yeah, exactly yeah, exactly that, yeah. yeah so um and, and i mean you know it, it, that, and with the last guy too there, there's uh george uh gordienko who's on our ballot too he's another guy that we were doing uh, alan and i talked you know before we started recording we did a little bit of research god it just doesn't make any sense being in my mind at least from what i read and maybe people can correct me a, I don't see why he's in Japan. He seems to have had equal, you know, or at least relatively equal stuff in numerous different countries. And a guy who, yeah, I mean, we're talking 60s, 70s. Why is he, you know, it's very weird. Very weird, a few of these guys. But those two so, guys have no shot of getting in anyway, so it's kind no, of like, No, no, I no. Mean, 25% for uh, for George and uh, 16% for Kimura. Kimura so. might I'm, drop off the old school way. Yes, yeah. So. I'm going to I'm gonna make a joke here to chose it's 2 a.m. and 2.20 a.m. my time, and it's time to... <laughs> to end the show because this is all i got left um is masahiko kimura uh does he get influenced because he is he has led to brock lesnar's kimura yes on top of <laughs> what is yes no i don't know <laughs> see i told I you a great, was, jo yeah. great joke <laughs> alan before we let you go uh final thoughts here on the ballot um 
anything you have before we uh, before we get out of here. Um, uh, do you know what I'd like to use my last uh, thoughts to, to talk about? Not this year's ballot, but um, a future year's ballot. Maybe next year. I'm not totally sure. Uh, oh, Shima, sorry. Shima. I think uh, if he uh, when he goes on the ballot, I would vote for him, and I will be the guy um, screaming from the rooftops that he should go in. Um, I just think he is with work rate. Hey, he is. He's fucking Shima. Like this guy since 1999, earlier 97. This he's been just this enigma of a, a wrestler and taking a style, this Hamada style that we talked about, and and taking it to new levels and and then creating or not creating, but taking this promotion of Ultimate Dragon, creating Toriumon, and and bringing it through and developing it into Dragon Gate and. It's it's my f- it is the wrestling I most identify with myself with I would say I think it's probably the wrestling I should say more people it's more the wrestling that I'd say most people identify me with is Dragon Gate I think I'm known as kind of a, a big Dragon Gate fan and uh, Shima is the icon and he's there now in his in his ugh, late thirties early forties and he is having incredible matches as a a veteran who knows all the tricks and will tie up in knots and. And um, yeah, I just I love Shima, and I love what he's created. I love what he continues to um, develop, and um, I think he should get acknowledged by being in the Hall of Fame for that contribution to the pro wrestling business. Joe, any thoughts? That's your guy. Maybe Joe fell asleep. <laughs> Joe, are you still with us? Joe hung up in protest after McCora <laughs> Joe. <laughs> he likes Shima. I don't know why I thought this would be his. He'd be happy to like have you go lucky. Well, I don't know what happened to Joe, but that's a good sign off anyway. Anyway, so Alan, uh, before we get out of here, uh, you want to plug all your stuff, where people can find your work, follow you on Twitter, where you write for, where you do your podcast, all that good stuff. Yeah, I gave a very quick plug to Fighting Spirit Magazine earlier, and as I said, you can get them on their website. But if you're in the, uh, if you're in the UK, you can. Go to your local WH Smith, or if you're in Ireland, you can go to Eason's, like I do, and uh, I move the magazines in front of all the other soccer magazines on the shelf. <laughs> and I, uh, especially when like you got like uh, uh, Rusev on the cover, and I think, hey, people, people see this big, uh, impressive-looking Russian, they're gonna bound to buy this magazine. So I uh, put 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 it in front of all the the soccer mags and uh hope people will pick it up but uh yeah um you can uh you can also say go to the website and see what all the, the digital stuff is about i have a really old phone and i use my laptop so i am not the man to uh explain all that side of things well i can so- i can attest to the fact that the ipad app and that's how i subscribe is is awesome it is it's not a it's not a dumbed down part of the magazine to to fit on an iPad. It looks exactly like I'm sure the hard copy looks like because I've I've never touched a hard copy of it, but I get it on the iPad every single month, and it, it's it's one of the better iPad magazine apps I've ever used. So yeah, I think the, I think the I think the magazine has a lot to offer for people who want well written pieces, well thought thought out pieces on on things that you might not necessarily have expected to see in a wrestling magazine like Bix, who's been on here recently on the podcast. Every month he's churning out a new article, which is incredibly interesting on a topic that like may not have been broached before. And Bix will be like, de- Bix will be delving into like court papers to dig up stuff that's never <laughs> been talked before about like the Ultimate Warrior and put the put in yeah. an article. It, it's really great. Sonny Ono's lawsuits. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And um, uh, yeah, so you got you got Fighting Spirit, and then um. Uh, f4wonline.com, wrestlingobserver.com, where I host the Dr. Keith Presents show, 
um, which both the guys on here with me have been on, and I will hope to have on again in the future. And um, we have all kinds of different styles of shows. Sometimes we'll be talking old wrestling, sometimes we'll be talking new wrestling, sometimes we'll be talking uh, the Eurovision or something ridiculous like that. But uh, we usually keep the wrestling. Um, but uh, that's the DKP show. Um, and I also write in the Figure Four Weekly on that site every week. And uh, what else? Fight, uh, fight Game Blog, where I wrote the uh, Junakiyama piece, and I'll have terrible MMA predictions on like a weekly basis now at <laughs> UFC. Um, but uh, my boy Conor McGregor's fighting this week. My boy, <laughs> um, he is uh, he is hopefully going to win and uh, go on, and they'll run a stadium show here in Ireland when he eventually goes for the title. So, uh, um, yeah. That's about it. Sorry for the That's ridiculously Alan long plug, Rich. Oh, no, you're good. No, oh, no, Alan you got a lot of stuff. Alan so Forel on Twitter. There you go. There you go. I was about to say, I mean, that's a great Twitter follow as well, Alan Forel. Well, Alan, we appreciate you staying up late to talk uh, Japanese wrestling with us, Japanese Hall of Fame. Uh, we appreciate it. I enjoyed and for it. Alan, Thank you guys for having me. And I've enjoyed all the shows you guys have done. They've given me great listening. And you've, you guys you guys have carried the Hall of Fame this year. You guys have been the MVPs of Hall of Fame. And, <laughs> well, uh, thank you. And, um, yeah, you've made it really, really fun with the, the articles that have been up on the site and, uh, and the podcast. So I'm just honored to be a part of it. And I had a blast doing it. So thank you guys for asking. <laughs> Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.